Welcome to Awaken Church Online. In this Mother's Day message, Elder Stephanie Teen shares stories of women throughout history who, in doing seemingly simple things, made a difference that impacted generations. Well, good morning and happy Mother's Day. So I want to start this morning with a little survey for moms. In case there are any husbands or kids who still aren't sure what mom would like, pay close attention. And you're welcome. Okay. Okay. So we all have different love languages, and we might like different things, right? So by a show of hands, how many of you ladies would enjoy and feel blessed by, like, breakfast in bed? Couple. Okay. Maybe the other ones don't trust the cooking. I don't know. Okay. Flowers? A few? I'm guessing Judy Van Hollen would not have raised her hand for that one. Coffee and chocolate or some other kind of favorite food? A professional massage. Uh, how about a card with sweet words from your kids? Yes, that's always fun, huh? How about a clean house that you didn't have to work for or nag for? <laughs> Woo, two hands. Okay. Introverts might like some quiet time alone for a few hours, maybe with a cup of coffee or tea or wine. Maybe. Got a, okay, a couple. <laughs> a nap. Anybody else want a nap? Yeah. Time set aside with your family to enjoy the day together. Right? Yes, yeah, two hands back there. Good. Um, any other ideas? Vacuuming the car, yes. Thank you, honey. You did that yesterday. Thank you. No fighting. Oh, yes. <laughs> did you hear the moms? Oh, yes. Just one day, no fighting. Love that. Any other ideas? Lawn work. Yeah, any acts of service, really. So no matter the love language, I bet all moms here, whether it's, like Dean said, whether it's biological, foster, adoptive, stepmoms, just moms of the heart in any way, bonus moms, I bet we would all love to have the guarantee that your children and grandchildren will love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength all the days of their lives. Moms have a lot of important traits that reflect God to their kids. Patience, unconditional love, creativity, loving their one-on-one time with their kids, and praying for their children as Christ intercedes for us and setting boundaries. <laughs> There's also a righteous anger if anyone messes with our children. Some people call that mama bear. Mm-hmm. Well, this mama bear has been poked and a little stirred up in the last few weeks. And I'm going to try to share those thoughts with you today because it's not just about my kids. I believe we are in a war for our children. We know we have an enemy, right? And our enemy is not each other, right? It's not those right-wing or left-wing so-and-sos, right? Ephesians 6 tells us our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Several news story headlines were highlighted to me the last couple of weeks that represent this dark world and the spiritual forces that are deceiving our culture. In order to hopefully keep this from being triggering for some, I'm going to try to summarize. So just a handful of news headlines from this year, just the last few months, include war, 
kids sold into sex trafficking. Three different teachers in Northwest Oregon arrested for inappropriate sexual contact with minors, one of them being here in McMinnville. A young man stopped, a young mom, sorry, stopped feeding her baby and said it was annoying. A mom with mental illness was charged with attempted murder of her newborn child. An IT specialist working in schools charged with sexually abusing four elementary school girls. Several stories of men raping young girls. A mom charged with assault and criminal mistreatment of her six-year-old child due to years of beating, starving, and possibly injecting her with illicit drugs. Several children found dead in very strange circumstances. Arguments about whether elementary schools should include curriculum about gender and sexual identity. California passed a law that could be used to prevent charges against mothers and anyone who helps them to effectively end the life of their baby, even a baby born alive. 49 years into Roe v. Wade, we have just passed 63 million babies aborted. And that doesn't include the rise in autism, anxiety, depression, eating disorders, suicide, or fentanyl deaths. I've had three deaths of kids that I work with in the last couple months. So some of these are hot-button topics, and uh, many of these are an attack not only on our kids, but on our parents, especially moms. And we aren't going to debate any of these today. Instead, we're going to try to take a look at this from a larger perspective. Alan's message a few weeks ago mentioned the importance of wisdom and provided a definition stating, wisdom is the ability to perceive the true nature of a situation and to implement the will of God in that situation. Wisdom is a practical application of, of God's truth to a specific situation, knowing what he wants you to do and then doing it. So what is God's truth in our current situation? Well, let's go all the way back to the beginning. God cast Lucifer out of heaven because he wanted to exalt himself and be like God, right? Lucifer then deceives Adam and Eve in the garden, and they also want to be like God, which, in short, has continued throughout time. In general, humans have wanted to rule themselves, and God has given us free will. But now, we also want whatever choices we make to be considered truth. And that's not the way it works. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Kind of a side note, several years ago when I was a George Fox student, well, it's been a minute, <laughs> I was at Saturday Market in Portland with friends, and I saw a guy holding a sign that said, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And a guy walking in front of me read that, and he said, well, that's a little selfish, don't you think? Okay, maybe I was naive because I was in my George Fox bubble, but I was just shocked that anybody would have that take on it. And I, he obviously did not understand the truth or the love behind everything that Jesus did for him or for all of us, or the delight that we can take in God's ways. Psalm 1, the first three verses say, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> yeah. So back to Alan mentioned in Ephesians, we are called God's inheritance. 
do you think it's possible that Satan wants to wipe out as much of God's inheritance as possible and get a bigger inheritance for himself? Yeah. So between demonic deceptions and human selfishness, we know the true nature of the situation now. The next part of the definition of wisdom is to implement the will of God in that situation. The practical application of his truth, knowing what he wants and then doing it. So back in Ephesians 6, we're reminded that the day, when the day of evil comes to put on our armor, yeah, put on our armor, that belt of truth that holds everything together, a breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with the gospel of peace, not arguments on Facebook, <laughs> the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and to pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So we're not going to be digging into each of those weapons because um, I'm sure our Ephesians teaching team will address those in a few weeks. But we do need to know that this is part of our practical application. Okay? We need to be putting on our God-given armor each day as we fight for our families and our kids. I want to share a few stories of women uh, who saw a need and stepped into it, despite the risk to themselves. Eglantine Jeb, pretty sure that's how you pronounce it, a British woman and teacher in 1919, saw pictures of emaciated children in what were considered enemy countries at the time because of the war. She stood in Trafalgar Square protesting and handing out flyers with the pictures. She was eventually arrested and fined because of it, but when she went to court, the judge was so impressed with her um, commitment to the children that he paid her fine. She worked to help get food and medical supplies to children all over Europe because it wasn't the kids' fault that we were at war, right? Yeah. Within a few years, she went on to start the organization Save the Children, which now serves 144 million children worldwide. So just that small act, seeing the need and doing that small act, has helped millions. Her bio on the Save the Children website also states that a few years later, in 1924, at a League of Nations convention in Geneva, Eglantine presented a Declaration of the Rights of the Child to leaders from around the world. Written by her, this short but clear document asserted what she believed were the human rights of every child, stressing the need to especially remember forgotten children. The rights that she called for read that the child who is hungry must be fed. The, children that is, the child that is sick must be nursed. The child that is backward must be helped. The delinquent child must be reclaimed. And the orphan and the waif must be sheltered and succored. Some pretty basic rights. The declaration was adopted a year later and adopted in an extended form by the UN in 1959. And the declaration later inspired the 1989 UN Convention on the Rights of the Child. So she made her voice heard and had a lasting impact. Women have historically been marginalized and at times severely mistreated. However, we have also known to be fierce defenders of our children and incredibly resilient. One story of resilience comes from Elizabeth Smart. That might be, it's a more, I see some heads <laughs> nodding, uh, a little more contemporary story. She was abducted in June 2002 at the age of 14. She endured daily sexual assault, starvation, and abuse for nine months before being rescued by police and returned to her parents. Perhaps you've seen her triumphant testimony in court 
before her captors, in which she declared she was taking her mother's advice and not going to give her captors any more hold over her. She's gone on to write several books and start the Elizabeth Smart Foundation that actively promotes the fight against sexual violence. I don't believe God intended for her to experience this terror, but I do believe he was present with her throughout the entire situation, and he is using what the enemy meant for evil and turning it into a force for good. As Christians, we have several examples of women showing resilience and taking a stand for their children, both physically and in the spirit. Moses' mom, right, hid her newborn baby as long as possible to save him from death and then entrusted him to God while placing him in the river. And her actions allowed him to live and become the deliverer for the entire nation of Israel. Monica, the mother of Augustine of Hippo, prayed for her son's salvation for years. She traveled from northern Africa to Italy to take him to church. Can you imagine if your mom came all the way from northern Africa to Italy just to take you to church? You better go. Yeah. And eventually he heard the gospel preached by Ambrose of Milan and was saved. He stood against heresy and laid a foundation for the Protestant Reformation a thousand years later. Susanna Wesley was a Christian mom born in England in 1669. She oversaw the spiritual and educational development of her 19 children. God bless that woman. Only 10 of whom survived to adulthood. So lots of grief. Her husband Samuel was gone for lengthy periods at a time. Each child had a night for individual conversation and prayer with Susanna. She wrote commentaries on the Apostles' Creed, the Ten Commandments, and the Lord's Prayer as curriculum for her children. One of her sons, John, led thousands to Christ and organized what became known as the Methodist Church. Another son, Charles, wrote more than 6,000 hymns, including Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It's a little bit longer story, but um, Gladys Aylward was born in England in February of 1902. She was reportedly a happy and high-spirited child who did not fare well in school. And being a therapist, I think, hmm, maybe there was ADHD. But (laughs) despite her efforts, she worked hard but had to quit school at 14 and worked in penny bazaars for a grocer and after the war was a parlor maid. She was raised Christian but not take the faith as her own until one night at the age of 18 when some friends dragged her into a, a church meeting. In her late 20s, Elward read a newspaper commentary about China and the millions of people who had never heard the gospel, and that changed her life. She sought training at the China Inland Mission, or CIM, in London, but found the study of theology and languages difficult. After three months in the program, the chair of the CIM committee reported, it is with great regret that I have have to recommend to you that we do not accept Miss Aylward. She has a call to serve God. She is sincere and courageous but we cannot take the responsibility of sending a woman of 26 with such limited Christian experience and education to China. He also felt she was too old to learn the Chinese language. She remained convinced, however, that God meant her to serve in China. Instead, she was sent by the CIM to Bristol to work as a housekeeper for a couple who had just returned from China. But while there, she learned a great deal through stories of their experiences and their deep faith in God. 
She worked evenings and weekends to earn her own money to buy her own fare to China. The people at the railway ticket office tried to explain to her that the cheapest way to China was by water, which was about 90 pounds. Yes, they agreed there was an even cheaper way overland, over through Holland, Germany, Poland, and Russia, then through Siberia on the Trans-Siberian Railroad until she made a junction connection with the Manchurian Railway, which would take her to a steamer that would take her to where she wanted to go in China. Does that sound a little complicated? <laughs> By yourself? But that route was impossible because there was an undeclared war between Russia and China. Realizing she was not going to be deterred, they allowed her to pay little by little on her ticket toward the full amount. She had no specific destination in China, in China until she learned of a 73-year-old missionary named Jeannie Lawson, who upon returning to England was immediately miserable and went back. She was, seeing, she was seeking a young person to help her continue her work. Aylward wrote to her, and the two agreed to meet. So on October 18th, 1935 foot, 110 pound Aylward, <laughs> little girl, little lady, set out from Liverpool with two one pound traveler's checks and nine pence sewn into her corset. She carried two suitcases, one with clothes, the other contained food, a saucepan, a kettle, and an alcohol stove. It was a dangerous journey. You would not be disappointed to read more about if you want to check her out. When she arrived, she was seen as a foreign devil and had dirt thrown at her by the local people. However, God provided and blessed her courage and obedience. She went on to learn the language, even became a Chinese citizen, a foot inspector for their government who traveled to villages all over, letting women know they no longer needed to bind their feet or the feet of their little children, their little girls specifically. And she led 100 children by foot mostly, across the mountains and out of China and protected them from the war, despite the fact that she also had a gunshot wound and typhoid fever. She legally adopted five of the children, but was a mother to many, many more. Even with all the odds stacked against her, she was used by God to protect the lives of hundreds of children. In his memoir, Just As I Am, Billy Graham tells how his mother, Morrow, was essential in the spiritual formation of her children. She provided a sense of family, stability, and unity. We really cared about each other and liked to do things together. That's what we were talking about. We went a day where they all liked to do things together, right? <laughs> of all the people I have ever known, she had the greatest influence on me. I am sure that one reason that the Lord has directed and safeguarded me, as well as Ruth and the children through the years, was the prayers of my mother and father. Morrow Graham's faithfulness in the seemingly small acts of prayer and family devotion was essential to the faith of her son, which has led to the faith of so many. Rick Durst, a professor of historical theology at Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary, said, Mothers have been God's first line of discipleship down through the ages as God raised up the next generation of church leaders. God has empowered and honored mothers as his way of providing life, safety, and courage in each generation of children. In Christian George, an assistant professor of historical theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, agreed, saying, some of Christian history's greatest preachers Theologians and missionaries owe the first fruits of their ministries, 
not to their exegetical insights, their homiletic abilities, or their spiritual zeal, but instead to the faithful prayers of their godly mothers. In the lives of countless Christians throughout the ages, God has often granted second births as a result of those who gave them their first. So moms, you have a major influence in the lives of the children around you. Dads definitely do as well, but today we're focusing on moms. You might not see it right away, but your biblical teaching, modeling a righteous life, prayer, perseverance, and of course, love for your kids will reap rewards and could have a lasting impact for many generations to come. Don't back down from the truth. Our kids are inundated with cultural perspectives and have access to talk to all kinds of people without parents even knowing at school, online, on their phones. All of those can and should be filtered. (laughs) But be there. Explain why you create healthy boundaries. Share the love of Christ with them. Play with them and have fun together. And above all, pray for them in the Spirit on all occasions, making all kinds of requests. You don't have to be the most educated. Neither was Gladys. You might not be married to a believer. Neither was Monica. Your husband might not be around much, and you may have grief over children who have been lost. So did Susanna. Your kids may have walked into a life of sin despite your prayers for years. So did Monica's. Pray without ceasing. God is listening. If you have grief or wounds that haven't been healed, or you're here today and not sure if you have a relationship with Jesus, we would love to pray with you and walk with you through that at the end of service. But right now, I'm going to do kind of a special thing. This kind of all came together during worship. <laughs> I would like the ladies to stand together and maybe come forward. Any, if you view yourself as a mom, any kind of mom, biological, foster, adoptive, anything, come on, ladies. <laughs> We're going to armor up, and we're going to stand together shoulder to shoulder, and we're going to pray for our kids and our families. Look at all these beautiful ladies. Okay. Yeah. We can... We can come on up. There's more coming. Come on up. We're going to stand together. We're going to lead out, and we're going to agree together for our kids. Okay, that's another great thing that the ladies and moms are good at. We agree together. We help each other, right, with our kids. Mm-hmm. It takes a village. <laughs> so if, if anybody wants to lead out, and then I've got a, a prayer to close. If you guys just want to lead out in prayer for your kids, Go ahead. If you have a specific need that you feel comfortable sharing, just shout it out. Lord, thank you for this honor to stand shoulder to shoulder with these women, these moms. And we thank you for drowning our fears in love, that you can you silence our fear as well. We, we will keep our eyes on you and on your truth and pray from a stance of victory. Lord, we ask, I agree, with the, asking for the deliverance from mental health disorders and substance use pray that you would fill them with your peace and joy and deep love, Lord. Give them eyes to see who you've created them to be and break the lies about their body image. 
Lord, I pray that you would protect our children, that you would surround them with your angels and make those angels visible to anyone wishing them to do harm to them. Make that darkness tremble. Fill them with your spirit of wisdom and discernment, Lord. May they love you with their whole heart, soul, mind, and strength all the days of their lives. And these, may our, these moms rest in you and your promises and believe for your miracles. Your name cannot be overcome. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you for joining us today on Awaken Church Online. To learn more about the church, visit our website, awakenchurchmac.com.